We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And on Tuesday night, the Lakers' slim and faint playoff hopes finally died a merciful death. Lakers have been eliminated from even the play-in tournament. Guys, how are you feeling? Right now, we're uh, we're three guys that are pretty immersed in the Lakers throughout our lives, and uh, this was a season unlike any other. I, I'd love to hear just kind of where you're at now that it's finally over. Not technically with all of our games, but just any aspirations to make the playoffs. I mean, when you see something coming for a while now, yep. it's not necessarily surprising. Mind you, a couple of weeks ago, I was Darius the optimist, and I remember y'all you know, talking about me when I missed a couple of pods. And, but that optimism was rooted in this idea that LeBron's ankle wasn't going to be a big deal, that Anthony Davis was coming back. And I actually feel on some levels, a sense of relief that there will be no games of import, that there will be no more trying to, um, ramp up and get ready for these tough games in which players of that ilk try to push through things in order to play to the level that they know they're capable of playing when the stakes reach a a certain point. And I don't know about you guys, but I was worried for Anthony Davis limping around the other day and trying to play through what is clearly a foot injury that is bothering him still, whether it's the same foot injury or whether it's something different because he's back. LeBron's been injured enough during his time with the Lakers that I feel like, Hey man, like you've maybe got one, two more runs left in you and two would probably be optimistic at this point. And so we've talked about LeBron as this guy, almost like a boxer, right? Where you've only got so many rounds in you. And and Mike, we have said, look, like LeBron only has so many jumps 
he's only got so many defensive slides. He's only got so many drives to the basket or hits that he can take. And honestly, I don't want him using him up as a 10th seed trying to win two consecutive games and then get into a playoff series against a Suns team that at least of the last several years looks like one of the more dominant regular season teams at least that the league has seen. I guess I feel a little bit of relief, a little bit of not really being that that surprised and a little bit of like okay, like yeah, it's it's over and acceptance. I guess in in a weird way, like those stages of grieving just jumped right to the last part, right? Where it's like, <laughs> like, I'm with it. Mike, I'm always interested in your viewpoint around stuff, stuff like this, because you're much closer to the team. Um, you see these guys and talk to them on a day to day basis. Um, you're there seeing Frank Vogel, like pound the table and carry a certain amount of frustration around with him. And from a human standpoint, I'm sure that that's harder for you on a day to day basis to just sort of be around a team that struggled in the way that they did in as particularly in comparison to what the expectations were. And, and so where's your head at? around the team your your individual feelings about it which i'm sure again are complicated by the fact that like you're in this in your own way with these guys every single day i'm gonna first try to remove myself from it and then we can kind of get back to that just just because to try and look at the season as a whole now that it's officially over i think that the somebody that's seen every little every second of it which the three of us have and a lot of people listening to this podcast have the the easiest way to describe what happened and what went wrong, kind of like the number one thing if we were if we were doing uh, family feud would be injuries. But that it can't just be that. Right. Because there were. So it's it's kind of like, yes, the injuries were the biggest thing, starting with A.D., then on to LeBron, then on to all of the lack of continuity from guys missing time here and there. But there just was never from the preseason to early in the season. There was never a moment that lasted more than a game or two that felt like this team had figured it out, whether that was lineup or rotation or uh, the proper amount of defensive and offensive balance, right? There were so many spirit. There were so many different things that just didn't meet the bar that they wanted to jump over that when I say that injuries were the first thing, Pete, I, I can't say it without acknowledging all of the rest of it that didn't work. And so therefore by being eliminated and being this far under 500, it, I think it's sort of, forces the team to recognize that in the offseason, at least to an extent. And I don't know that every player is there. I, I think that Frank Vogel gets that uh, based on sort of the way that he's been describing the team throughout the season. Uh, but that, yeah, so let me just leave it there and kick it over to you. Cause I do think that it's sort of two of those things at the same time, the injuries and then, Hey, wait, it's also everything. Else. Yeah. That's the thing is it, we've talked for a while about, when the season was over, we were going to eventually perform the aut autopsy on this team. And I suspect that under cause of death, we're going to end up writing like five or six things. Injuries will probably be the lead thing, but my ears have been perking up to the amount of quotes that there are and reports that there are the degree to which we've blamed that. If that's our takeaway from this season was like, ah, here's the injuries and we'll get them next year. Like the injuries are 
of, of course, a, a big part of that. But if that's how we leave this season, D, it, like we're we're going we're going to end up in a similar type of spot. Uh, it may look differently, but it's not. We will not be able to progress and get out of the hole that we've dug ourselves until we can look past the whole like oh we didn't have our guys type of thing like i i find it to be counterproductive even though it is the first thing that you mentioned in the story of this season the first thing you list on the autopsy but hardly the, the only thing yeah that it can't be the only thing is super important here believe me if you're the lakers going into next season one of the things that you need to be thinking about is how do we keep our players healthy? Now, that's a priority every single season, but they cannot continue to have seasons derailed by injuries. Now, some of this is luck, like bad luck, but a part of it is just like, nah, bad. Like these guys can't be missing half the year when your goal is to win the NBA championship. But if that's like half the thing, and if all you do is say, okay, well, we fixed half, like half the thing, like, okay, well, you have four flat tires. If you put air in two of them, your car still doesn't drive, right? And they need to look at it, the Laker, the top decision makers and the people within the organization need to look at it that way, that there were multiple organ failures in this patient and if you say like oh well this team died this way and it was like the heart it's just like yeah but like you're not wrong when you say that yeah like when you say that you're you're, totally right and that's the thing everybody's kind of got an agenda or like the reasons why things happen the way they did it and everybody's right that's the crazy thing is that everybody's right the takeaway though can't be like oh well if we only did this one thing and i said this to you guys earlier in in our text thread but it's one thing to to sort of outwardly say injuries, 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 because like, hey, that's that's sort of a nice soundbite. And it's sort of easy and it saves people from maybe having to take the public flogging and admitting things publicly. And, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But look, I'm always interested in the difference in the differences between what you say publicly and what we say privately, and then how we address things privately, right? Because as in with any organization, if you just, if the public face and the private face are the same face, you're likely doing it wrong. And Darius, I want to interject now as to kind of what it felt like up close and personal this year. And it was tough. You know, it was tough. But let's dig into that a little bit more after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, so yeah, it looked tough, right? It felt tough. What I mean by that is, like, there's a there's just a feeling from the start of the preseason that didn't really go away until the end. And I think that there was a lot of talking into what things could look like that had to occur to cover up to cover up for the fact that things weren't looking like that. Even in the games where, and we spent how much time did we spend on lineups and rotations? And I think that all of that talk was valid. But kind of the undertone of my of my pushback to that was just like being there at courtside or in the locker room or on the Zoom or next to the coach and just not feeling like whatever the mix that was out there, because they did play small. They did play big. They did play like they tried at some point of the season, every different iteration. And there wasn't really like there were some that worked a little better. And, and I know Pete has pointed them out. The most recent one was like the younger guys playing more. But there was never really that moment of like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the group. That's the order. That's the rotation. And the place where that starts for me has to be with Russ, LeBron, and AD. It, it just does. Like that was the major change from the last two years, Russ coming in. And another star player or who's been his star in his career with the basketball that doesn't do a lot of role player things, how is that player – going to fit alongside the two guys that need the role player guys around them. And sure, it wasn't optimal lineups. So like there's a lot of layers to that, but bottom line that existed from the start of the season. And I don't think it changed, you know, even up until the Pelicans game where they, where they really like play all played pretty hard and pretty well in, but you know, like AD had a great game. The Brown was scoring at the big run in the third quarter. Russ was actually pretty efficient. Didn't even turn the ball over a ton, but it just, it just didn't quite click like LeBron and AD did from the start when they were teammates with role players around them. Yeah, I think that's something also that we knew going into the season that I use the word fascinating about this team often over the course of this season, which does not necessarily mean good. It's just when we made the Westbrook trade, it was like, oh shit, how's that going to work? And coming from a, a, a coach's background, one of the things you have to do is kind of like accept the team that you have, especially at a high school, right? Like, and once you get there, you know, you, things can change, but there's a big portion of like, well, this is the team we got. Let's try to get the best that we can out of it. And when you looked at the mix on paper before the season, it's like, this is a weird team. 
And even the most optimistic point of view was like, oh, well, we're, there's going to be a lot of stuff that this group has to figure out. And I think that in terms of applying the injury reason excuse uh, properly to this season, the big thing about that, like you were talking about the New Orleans game, Mike, but that's like one game. Like, there weren't they didn't play five games together before that. That's. AD had just come back off of an injury, right? And so there was never this this stretch of consecutive games with them. A, a crazy stat. You know what their record was with those three with AD at the five? Starting at the uh, five? It's going to be a very low game total. It's So so yeah, you can either count this as, as 10 games or 12 games. I counted as 10 because two of the games, AD got hurt mid-game. One of them we won, which was the game against Utah, where he scored like 17 in the first quarter and got hurt in the second quarter, I believe. And then the other was in Minnesota when it fell into his leg, hurt his knee. I don't count either of those games. Uh, one was a win, one was a loss. So they were either... Six and four they, or seven were, and five. They were playing well in the Utah game. They were not playing well in the Minnesota game. So right, for, for right. But even then, take that. when he got hurt, when AD got hurt, it was like a four point game or a six it, point game. It was, but they, but they, it wasn't like clicking. Is my point? Oh, hundred percent. But that's the thing. Like this was not unlike the twenty twenty group that. When you start out with very unconventional ingredients from that, like, well, we've got LeBron and AD and LeBron is this on-ball dominant guy. And then we bring Russell Westbrook, who is that as well. It's not that natural, well, you know, peanut butter and jelly, these two things go together type of thing, which is why you need the time, D, to be able to work on those things. And so – the the six and four record, right, it's like big whoop. It's not it, – it, but that's a 49-win pace. And that's the, to me, the like out of the box, the team in its proper shape and having its guys without having any continuity or anything at all. And so I'm not trying to make some like overarching argument that it was, oh, if we only had more time, it would have worked. Like, I don't think that this, that there's any version of this that could have worked to our highest aspirations, but there's a big gap between that and 31 the 31 wins that we have and who knows how many we finish with, but there's a big gap between those two things that I think that's part of it. And then also a certain degree of like, they realized that they couldn't ship with this group. And we're a very binary team D of like, we either win the championship or we don't in terms of how we measure success, probably to a bit of a fault. Um, but I think between those things, like that explains a lot of the extent of the failure that like, there wasn't a whole lot of fight back over that last stretch of the, of the season of them where they like, I don't even think they wanted to make the plan. I really don't. It's not how they played and how they looked on tape. Yeah. And this is where we've spent so many hours talking about this, this team that no stone has really gone unturned in terms of the topics and, and the sort of discussions that, that we've had, but it's important to revisit some of them because they really are super important and so like a few pods ago we talked about expectations well guess what it's human nature that when you see expectations slipping away and you start to get more and more information that tells you that your original expectations were flawed and that you are actually not going to meet your expectations that and there's no adjusting down Right. There is no like, OK, well, this team was built and came together in the pursuit of winning an NBA championship. You and you when that is your purpose, you do not then say, well, you know what? 
this isn't working at all. You know what you know what I'd be okay with then? If we just win around in the playoffs. That would be great. Let's let's now now let's shift all of our energy into that. And I want to believe in that in the same way that I believe that we were going to win an NBA championship. You know what NBA player does that? No, none of them. None of them do that, guys. There is no sort of like, oh, well, let's just flip this switch. And now my full on belief is about this totally lesser goal than the one that we started with. And we're going to play just as hard and show just as belief around just as much belief around that idea. And Mike. That thing that you talk talked about about like it not clicking. You know who understands that best? Not not e- even more than you watching at courtside are those dudes. LeBron. The dudes, yes, yeah. LeBron, Anthony Davis, the dudes in the locker room. These guys have played in. They've spent decades of their lives played this game. And LeBron first though, right? LeBron has played more than everyone. He has played against more defenses than anyone. He has played with more teammates. He has played four more coaches. He has played more than almost anybody in the history of the league. In fact, literally more than anybody but Kareem. And like that's it in terms of combined playoff minutes and regular season minutes. So I think that to again kind of contrast, right, this season and last in the season two two years ago, LeBron and AD, they did have the kind of benefit of some additional motivation coming off of how AD's season ended in New Orleans and how LeBron's season ended. And we've been over that a bunch of times. But so LeBron, they get on the court and starts in the preseason, first of all. But then in the first regular season game, even though they lose against the Clippers, like LeBron, he could just see it, right? He could see it. He could feel it from the minicamp. Then they start winning games. And and it's while he's playing defense and he's engaged. And guess what that does? It just builds. And that whole year, it just continued to build and build and build. Uh, And like when you're in Sonic and you, you keep the rings keep coming and you keep coming. They never hit, they never hit the bad guy or where all of the rings go out and you have to get them all again. Like it it just kept going and kept going and kept going this season. Complete opposite. Doesn't work that great in camp. Doesn't work in the first preseason game. Doesn't work in the regular season. And, and so that's where I'm, I'm pushing back against that whole point of like, well, they just needed time uh, and rhythm because LeBron is like the cheat code for a lot of that stuff. You know, and that's not to say that rhythm doesn't help. Of course it does. Of course continuity helps. But, you know, I just that to me is kind of as the season has gone on, it that that explanation has gone lower on my list of explanations than I thought it might. A big part of that is that's a chicken or the egg thing for me too, because so many of the basic ingredients, like I can't remember another Lakers season, and we've had we've had bad teams as low as 17 wins, all the way up to just multiple NBA champions that have, and we've seen NBA champions that play different playing styles, right? Like not all of them are the same. So we have a a pretty broad experience in terms of, of what that looks like. I can't remember any other team in Lakers history where I didn't know what their starting lineup was by the end of the year. And there's like, it's the degree of like, I still don't really know what this team is and it doesn't matter. Like there are some elements of it that I think are like fatally flawed from a, I guess what I'm trying to well, distinguish, Mike, is good. Good. No, no. Sir, finish your thought. Finish your thought, because then, then I, I have a, I just, I have a point I want to get on with the, with the lineups and stuff. But, but sounds good. Finish your sounds thought. good. I guess the dis- the important distinction to me going into this off season is the distinction between why were we not a championship team 
championship caliber team? And why were we a low 30s win team? Because there's a lot of real estate between those two places where like if we can get to the playoff, you know, win a round or two and get get knocked out in the second round. Right. And then the argument after the season is like, well, we didn't have the guys. We didn't have the guys, but we had the guys to make the play in. Right. We had the guys to do more than we did with this season, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's all. I, I also think both of those things might be true. But when if they had the guys to make the play in. Like, great. You know, that's not what they were playing for. That's not what that's not what LeBron especially was playing for. So I think that that has to that ties into the lack of belief and the lack of and that to me is part of the big difference. But like, to, let me bring the lineup thing into this one, though, too. In 2019-20, we didn't know what the best lineup was at the beginning of the year either. In fact, some of the guys that were playing then didn't play in the postseason. And guess what? Didn't matter. They could start big with JaVale. They could start big with Dwight. They could start small with AD at the center. They could finish with KCP. They could finish with Green. They could finish with Caruso. They could finish with Kuz. Didn't matter because all of those guys are complementary pieces to LeBron and to AD. Yes. So all that's what I've been trying to say all year with all the lineup and the rotation stuff like got the players have to figure that out on the court. They just have to. And if it doesn't happen in the first month or two, then it has to happen eventually. And they never came close to doing that. And I think that speaks mostly to the personnel this year. I agree. That's not the only reason for it, though, which I know you're not saying. Let's take a break. D. I want to hear your uh, your thoughts on this. It's so many things. So I've talked about this before, but one of the things I used to play these games on a computer and I used to read the books, but like the the choose your own adventure books. So, you know, like you're reading 10, 15 pages in and it says like, okay, well, you can either you can either choose the door on the right or you can keep walking down the road and then see what happens. And you're like, oh, well, I'll choose the door on the right. Then you choose the door on the right, and then that sends you into a different part of the story, a part of the story that does not exist at all. And I feel like they're doing a ton of that now with like comic books and like the multiverse and all and all of these things that are out there, right? Where like there are these parallel worlds that exist where you can go down all of these these different directions. One of the things that I think about continuity and one of the things that I think about the lineups and one of the things that I think about in terms of the Lakers. Um, the idea that we talked about last pod about kicking the can down the road is that there was always this belief that the Lakers were going to choose their own adventure and end back at the spot where they were on the path that they were supposed to be on when the season started, which was, hey, suddenly we're going to choose the door on the right and we're going to be right back where we believe we were going to be as a championship team. That's not how those choose your own adventure books work. Nope. I love, love this point. You choose the door on the right, and then 15 pages later, you go in the tunnel, and then 10 pages after that, you hop in the car, and then 15 pages after that, you're on a boat. And you're like, okay, well, how the hell did I end up on this island looking for coconuts? And you're like, well, what the hell? Like, I started this... Like, I started this this adventure, and I was on my couch at my house, and now I'm on an island? Some somewhere like how did this happen? And this was the Lakers. They were like, okay, well, there is, all we needed. I don't really appreciate how I made just my little tiny Sonic metaphor, and then you just dunked on it with like a 
he's i don't know how he does choose your own adventure thing that pete happened to read the books on and is like nodding and, and like it's like hitting him with nostalgia and i'm just back here with my own just little like sonic point i mean you know you just just crush me so me and pete simpatico as usual and, That's and right. so <laughs> this time mike sorry mike it's not switzerland today me and peter allies this idea though of like oh well we'll just get get it back we'll be fine we'll mm -hmm. just figure it out and mike that idea of getting there together there was a talent deficiency there was this inability to actually do it as as a group but beyond that beyond that they actually were not interested i don't think in doing all of the work that was necessary yep. as a group in order to actually achieve the thing that they wanted to achieve. They kept putting the work off and putting the work off under the impression that they were just going to be able to get there because they had all of this talent and all of these dudes that had achieved something before separately. And that idea that they were just going to be able to achieve something collectively was wrongly there for them that that idea wrongly existed for them and i think that that led to a lot of the stuff early in the season like oh well we'll lose a 20 point lead against the thunder we'll play a little bit of front runnerish basketball and then after the game we'll just say that that oh well we'll get them next time like we didn't have trevor ariza and we're guilty of this too we talked oh, yes. about like oh well let this guy come back or that guy come back or when it, when just let him get healthy and let him get get healthy. But in the meantime, they weren't collectively doing the work. And maybe it's because, Mike, they didn't believe. Well, here, let's pause on that. Let's pause on that doing the work thing, though, because I think as a point of emphasis, this ties right back into the roster. They, <laughs> yes. The types of players that do the work. You, that has that's a type of guy that's a skill that's a mm -hmm. talent mm -hmm. and so on this team lebron and ad a lot of times functionally had to be the guys to do the dirty work the dirty work guys yep. yep that's that can't happen like that that's that was the shift from the previous roster alignment and the one that's made sense throughout nba history where your stars now look the best stars also do that stuff kobe yes in his prime Giannis in his prime durant like lebron Definitely, but LeBron in year 19 can't be Anthony Davis, by the way, is one of those guys right now mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. does do that. He does all the other stuff. And he and he did so the last couple of games. He was averaging like 26, 11, 7 uh in three stocks. You know, like that is he is doing a little bit of everything. He is doing that stuff. But LeBron can't be expected to do that for a full regular season in his 19th season or certainly not in his 20th season. So what does that mean? Everybody else has to. And and we can go on through the roster, but guys that are not used to playing like that in their career, or we're out there on the floor with them, right? Or And or they were past the point where physically they could do that. And that would be, you know, the Trevor Reza and the Dwight Howard, right? Although Dwight certainly was able to, to, to put in some, but the types of guys like Russ, like THT, um, like, you know, Kendrick Nunn's game is a little bit like that. Wayne Ellington. You know, the only the only guy that really does do that stuff, as we mentioned a million times, is Austin Reeves. So that I to me, it's less about sort of belief and trying hard and working hard. It's just that they're that you're, 
that that is a whole separate thing. We've already covered that. But this part of it was because of the guys that are supposed to do that on a roster don't have those types of characteristics. I so you're spot on with, with that. I think part of Darius's point, and please clarify if I'm off here, is there's a certain mindset. Like the idea of of belief, we started the season with way too much of it on every level. And that is why you say preseason, I know our guys are a little bit old. These games don't count. We'll get we'll use the beginning of the season as our preseason. And then I start to get hurt. And that's the thing about about basketball and just life in general is like what you have control over is so small that you really got to hold it tight. And that the your point about like dirty work type of players, it's such an essential ingredient that you can only get to a certain level without that being prevalent across your roster. But this team in particular, like every team's job is to get to the best version of what they can be. And for 29 teams every year, that is not good enough to win an NBA championship. But I don't think that we can argue that this Lakers team got to the best version of its very flawed, admittedly, self. And I think a big part of that was actually having too much belief early on that actually we are very good. We're like, this is such a great collection of talent. We're going to be fine. Oh, this game in OKC, like, ah. But well, I think that's almost the same point, though, right? Because the, because mm, the reason yeah. why those things are existing is because LeBron is looking. You're taking the team photo, and you look over. You're like, oh, there's Carmelo. There's Carmelo Anthony. Oh, there's Dwight Howard and DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan. Oh, mm-hmm. there's Rajon Rondo at the beginning of the year. Oh, there's Wayne Ellington, sniper. You know. Oh, there's so there's all of these. But what doesn't happen there, and we're we're guilty of this to some extent too. Although, you know, to, I think we were on this a little bit earlier than many, but like there, <laughs> there's not, who is the guy that's going to connect all of this out there? And one, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why the three, the three of us on our pods were like, well, it's be- it better be Kent Bazemore. Like, that's why he was the first guy that we mm-hmm. kind of picked to start because he was the only one that at least had shown some of that capability of that mm-hmm. two-way play. And then, Hey, it, it better be Trevor Ariza. When he comes back, and, and if those guys, was supposed to be our defender, he, remember? But yeah, even THT, yeah. though, we we I think we we knew that that was going to be a big time stretch, yeah, and a big sure. time ask to, yeah. to do that. So there wasn't there wasn't that guy. That's why it, it wasn't so much like, hey, everything's going to be fixed when Trevor Reza comes back. But it's just like, hey, that's the only guy that can even give this a real chance. Mm. And those are two different thoughts, but mm-hmm. it's connected towards this whole piece of what mm-hmm. went wrong, and and that's why. <laughs> That's why, like all of the metaphors, Darius works so well. And, and you're, if you're choosing your own adventure, there was such a tiny little thread that could have made all of that work. And like the Rubik's cube that had to be lined up just a certain way. And for the guys that it, it, it was going to be more difficult, I think, than certainly it was going to look by these guys standing next to each other. And to that point, real quick, D, is that the like choose your own adventure point the choices that you make early on setting off on a completely different path the way we began this season i believe was yes. very important to the point that mike was just making about like so first off that path we talked about the narrow path a lot and when you set yourself up on a lebron and ad team it's actually kind of hard to have a narrow path because they they have such a diverse skill set that just n- Making moves that necessitate a narrow path in the first place, like you already kind of messed up in that. But that, those first choices that you make are essential to getting you onto that. Yeah, and I would ar- argue too that that's where starting your season with 
four players who were projected to be projected that were projected to be key rotation players being out. And then that, that then putting this idea of, okay, well, we'll play this way instead while these dudes are out, that that was that first step. And, and so I will say it's actually the second step. Because the first step I thought was saying, yes, ev- all these guys are healthy, but guess what? Like only AD is going to play in the first, pre- like in the first preseason game. Like, yeah, Russ, Russ and Braun, they can sit, right? And we all, and look, I made excuses for them. I was just like, well, Braun's in his 19th season. He spent half of his life playing in the NBA. He's one of the highest minutes players in the history of the game. Why shouldn't he be able to rest, right? But part of not being able to build that continuity, part of not being able to get onto the right path together as a group was the fact that they did take those games off. They did only play a quarter or a half and you can do that for part of the games but frank vogel said this i think in in a piece um that was written up at the athletic but when they went zero and six in the preseason he's like oh man like we got problems and then when you're like okay well thc is hurt trevor Ariza's is hurt I think Malik Monk might have played the first game, but Wayne Ellington did not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this none, idea none is out. Yeah. None's out. So this idea of, okay, well, this is going to be the group, but four of these guys, they're all supposed to play a major role or a key role, at least to, to start the season. Well, they're out. So we'll do this instead. Okay. You didn't even get to page 10 or page 15. You got mm. halfway through page one and it's like, make a choice now. Which way right. you gonna go? Like and, I don't even know what like, the story is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like what's going on here? Yeah. I don't even know yeah. where. Like what's my character's name? Even in this damn book, and you're telling me I have to choose which which yeah. way we're going going to go. And it's very hard then to rediscover the thing that you were supposed to be if you really never got any reps at the thing that you wanted to be in the first place. And it's hard to find the best version of of yourself if the best version of yourself is like if you're already mutated to the point, right, 40 games into to the season that this version of you is unrecognizable than what you were two months previously. Right. When the best version of yourself 70 games into the season might involve Stanley Johnson and Wenyan Gabriel, you got to be thinking, okay, how many turns did I take in this story in order to get to here? And if there's a story of the Lakers season, Pete, where you're talking about, I don't even know what the starting lineup of this group is. That's why it's because the idea of what this team could and was supposed to be in. The second week of July. Look at the version of the team now. Mike talked about the 2019-20 team where Troy Daniels was playing at the beginning of the season. Quinn Cook was playing at the beginning of the season. Okay, 
Well, at the end of the season, it was Alex Caruso who was playing those those minutes, and it was and it was KCP who had a bigger role. And it and then by the by the bubble, it was there was no Avery Bradley, and it was Rondo who had stepped up and and, and was just like I'm 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 here now. And so all of those guys that you thought were gonna may, maybe be be a part of things, they had fallen away. But the guys that replaced them were more natural fits that played within the same context of what the team was supposed to be in the first place. Yes, and this is this did not happen with with this team and if there's a story to be told about where it all went wrong that evolution in a way that took you to a place that you don't even know that it's not even familiar to what it was supposed to look like at the start of the season that's the thing that is going to be difficult to get your arms around and they need to acknowledge that part of it too when they do that self-analysis very much so and i but to mike's point i think like you could look at the team beforehand on paper and be like, like say, say, uh, say winning a championship involves a certain recipe. You need certain ingredients. You need star players. You need to be able to defend. Uh, you need certain types of guys that are pretty universal. They can look a little different from team to team, but you need to play at a certain level. And, and like, if you're making a recipe and you don't have salt and the, and what you're making calls for it, like you can see that beforehand like you can say beforehand like all the other ingredients might be fine but this is going to be bland if we don't have that in it you know and so that is that to me is also a very fair point right is what mike's saying like you could see that before the season that there was going to be a, a large component of that so anyway lakers off to cancun after a disastrous season we will be back to kind of preview the playoffs but until then You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James.
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.